Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties. Like our intro said, we're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we'll have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. Have you joined our weekly email list? Swing by boothbesties.com and shoot us a message with your email and we'll get you added. And if you haven't joined our VO Booth Besties Facebook group, join us there too. All right, let's talk about bread and butter VO. Tell us about our guest, A.B. And Ganguza is a sought-after voiceover coach, director, and producer based in California. Producer based in California. She has been honored with multiple voice arts and one voice nominations and awards for her exceptional work in demo direction and production. Specializing in targeted voiceover demo production, Anne's expertise spans diverse genres such as corporate, commercial, medical, and e-learning. Her accomplished production team consistently crafts award-nominated demos that cater to a wide range of markets. As the creator of the VO Boss podcast, Anne received the prestigious Sobus Outstanding Podcast Award in 2022, and her networking group, the VO Peeps, offers meetups and workouts with incredible opportunities for feedback and growth. While her award-winning VO Boss podcast, VOBoss.com, can be heard weekly around the globe and highlights prescient, I don't know how to say that word, industry topics with a fresh take on what's happening in voiceover. Anne's voiceover credits include United Healthcare, Delta, Pearson, Mercedes-Benz, PayPal, Wells Fargo, Michelin, Credit Suisse, Cisco, Toyota, Panasonic, Baxter, Xerox, and more. And that's, I'm glad we didn't put more because I'm out of air, Anne. That's so many. <laughs> should, should I unmute now? <laughs> hey, Anne. It's, it's, it's Jenny. It's great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. And thank you for reading all of that. Um, you know, I just sent you a bunch and uh, I figured you would tweak it, but I appreciate you reading all of that um, for me. And no, uh, I'm honored, honored to be here. Well, you know, it's funny. I feel like I'm always listening to you on other clubhouses and trying to jump in and <laughs> chat with you. So it's great that we finally coordinated and you're on ours. Um, so VO boss is one of our favorite podcasts and your VO peeps webinars are so good. There's just like oodles and noodles of information. So for those in our audience who have been living under a rock, um, can you <laughs> briefly tell us, like, <laughs> tell us about the Genesis, tell us about what you do, your, why you are so incredibly generous with your time and your knowledge. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and VO peeps? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, I started VO Peeps, gosh, it's just about in 2010. So we're going on almost 13 years. And I started it soon after I moved to the West Coast because I had just come off of a 20-year stint as a teacher in front of the class and really was missing teaching and kind of, you know, um, 
just just teaching, being a teacher and leading a group. And so I decided to create, because I, I specialized in technology, I decided to create a group called the VO Peeps that, first of all, was going to be a networking meetup that was local because, again, I had just moved and I wanted to meet other people with like-minded interests and that were in the voiceover industry and also have an opportunity to possibly introduce myself to them. And it really became a, a very cool local thing to begin with. And then since I had a lot of experience in technology and setting up like uh, streaming web services, that sort of stuff. I decided to kind of make that group um, and transition it from local into a global networking group. And it was pretty cool because it was in the beginning when um, Facebook was just kind of getting going for a lot of people and voiceover was just starting to kind of, you know, get together on social media and I created a separate VO Peeps uh, Facebook group, as well as, you know, um, all sorts of different social media brandings with the VO Peeps. And I started to stream my meetups live, which was really cool because I wanted people to not have to live in California in order to be able to enjoy the resources that I wanted to put out. And so the cool thing was, is that I was able to figure out how to stream my meetups live back in the beginning. Um, this is when Zoom was just starting to be a thing. Zoom actually was a godsend to the streaming kind of media, but I was streaming live from my coffee table. And I, <laughs> I hesitate to, to uh, admit this, but my streaming setup was a... a a U oh my god it was a usb mic it was a snowball mic and <laughs> my for webcam and, yes. and, and my webcam but it worked i have to yeah. tell you when you're streaming from your coffee table you know and you've got people in the room uh, and you know you also want to be able to stream that meeting you know live i mean it, it it just worked and at the point you know i didn't set up a studio in my living room i had people in my living room and so it was really kind of a cool thing so we started this hybrid thing where i would have meetings at my house and then they kind of turned into this big old party where you know my husband would get involved and in, in make you know kind of themed you know, drinks and food. And it, and then I decided to, to invite guest speakers and guests, all the, all the people that were my heroes that I always wanted to meet, I invited and I interviewed them. And then we would typically have like a little workout afterwards and everything, everything would be streamed and recorded. And, uh, it was quite a feat. I mean, I did it for many years, um, once a month and it just became like, I mean, at, at most I had probably close to like 60 to 70 people in my home. Um, and wow. then streaming globally too. So I, I learned a lot about event hosting and I remember back in the day, I was like, should I charge, you know, do you think if I charge $10 people would come? And it was so funny because back in the day, it, it really was a thing. I mean, um, you know, because it became like we were renting chairs, we were buying food and it was taking days to like create a menu and, but it was so much fun. And I did that up until 2016. And uh, then I kind of started doing things online after that. And then, well, with the pandemic, everything went online. So that was my VO peeps. I still have the VO peeps. I tried to give it up and uh, <laughs> I decided, well, I could maybe transition VO peeps into VO boss because I wanted to podcast. I wanted to learn about podcasting. And that was back in 20, gosh, 17. I started that, which is, you know, again, we're going on six years here. Um, and I, and I started doing my podcast cause I just wanted, I kind of just wanted to be like on a radio show. I mean, that was like, it's like just a thing. And I wanted to learn how to podcast and, uh, started VO boss to try to like, you know, okay, my VO peeps will transition to VO boss. And then I couldn't give up my cute little bird. 
because I love the branding of the peeps. And so many people knew me from the peeps that I decided to create a separate brand. And, you know, VO Boss became the podcast brand and VO Peeps remained the networking group. And I love them both and I cannot give them up, and which is why I still have them today. Uh, in addition to, my, obviously, my coaching and demo production business, which I've been doing, gosh, since I got to L.A., um, gosh, 15 some odd years ago. So like a so, minute ago. Like a minute Yeah, like ago. a minute ago. A minute yeah. ago. But yeah, that's kind of my two major brands. Wow. And uh, yeah, I love what I do. And I, I specifically craft my business to allow time for all of them. Um, and, and, and that's that is, really, that's that is really incredible that you do that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's not easy, but I do have a wonderful team that uh, helps me to do it. I could not do it without my wonderful team. And I had to get bold in terms of, you know, being brave because I w- I'm a control freak. If anybody mm-hmm. knows me, um, I'm a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> you I know, have no idea I what like, that looks like. No, so no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it was such a, it took a lot of courage for me to like, let go, to let go and, and hire people that were really wonderful at what they did. And so I, right now today, I probably have a team of um, close to 10 people that work for me, not full time, but yeah. they all have their specialties and um, they, I, I would not be able to do as, as much as I do today without them. And so they are invaluable to me and they have taught me a lot about, you know, managing people and running a business, um, you know, being brave and having the courage to give up the control and hiring people um, and hiring good people that want to do well for your brand. I mean, it's it's hard. We're all in these individual kind of businesses, right? It's our own little business. And when you hire people to be on your team, you've got to motivate them and inspire them to want to work for you and 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 do wonderful things for you. And and there's a few things that I've found out over the years that really help that. I mean, one of them is to pay them fairly and and even better than fairly. You know, pay them well. And uh, it it it's a really great motivator. That's for sure. But, you know, also um, really work, work with your, your employees and, and, and really like help them evolve their own careers. And that's really uh, done wonders for my business and wonders for helping me grow my business. And, and that too, I mean, you didn't ask me, but I mean, growing your businesses is a, is a courage driven, you know, event. Um, because sometimes it's nice to just, you know, stay with the status quo, but you know, how can we grow and how can I, you know, evolve and continue to provide services or provide this aspect of my business and, uh, continue to make it profitable and continue to make it valuable to other people. And, you know, you've hit on something. I know we we're, yeah, we'll get to the court. We're going to talk corporate narration folks, just hang in there. But you know, one of the things that, and well, one of the things, several things that you've, you've hit on, and I think it is important to reiterate is that you also really focus on the business side of things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I also drew from that, that I also encourage when I, when I work with newer voice actors, you know, you, you use the word evolve. And I've been, I just used that word today in a conversation with AB and JT that it is so, it, you just can't be one note anymore. Like it, we are just in a world where, you know, 14 year olds can create, you know, short films and documentaries, you know, just using their phone and voice actors anymore. You know, you really need to be able to evolve, challenge yourself, just like you were saying, you know, you had to kind of, you know, test the waters and, you know, working with other people and giving up some control and things like that, but also learning new things, learning new technology, try the podcast, try the clubhouse, create websites, doing things that 
are part of a business, maybe it wasn't kind of your plan. You're like, I just want to be a voice actor. I don't feel, I feel like you can't just be a voice actor anymore. Like you really need to grow your, you know, different arms of your business. I could not agree more. I, yeah. I, I really could not agree more. And it's, and, and I think it's, you know, I've evolved my business to have, well, I, I call them the tendrils of my business, but that sounds yeah. weird. But, um, you know, I, <laughs> we can come but, up with a better but, word than tendrils. Yeah, we've we'll got to come up that. with a better word than, than tendrils, but you know, different, different divisions of my business that right. all bring me joy. It's, it's all about, you know, what is it that, that I'm passionate about and brings me joy because I'll tell you what, I gave up a longstanding career in education and corporate because I didn't want to uh, work for anybody else. And, uh, I found that I'm a, I'm a tough boss to work for. Uh, but in, in saying that I also love every aspect of my business and I love the freedom that being an entrepreneur allows me in order to, you know, create these separate divisions of my business and, and sure. just love every part of them. That's wonderful. Well, okay. We brought you here. We want to educate folks down below. We've talked business. We've talked to Anne. If you guys just you know, once we're off this call, go follow her, connect with her, join her podcast group, all the things you, you want to be a part of it. So one of the things that one of the many things as AB had listed in her bio, um, that Anne is really renowned for is we call it the bread and butter of VO, the unsexy genre, right? Um, corporate <laughs> narration, we can make it sexy if you're in something cute, but just saying, um, it, trying kind of these these non-broadcast genres of VO. Um, but it's a fantastic place to build a client base if you do it right. So can you kind of tell us what is this bread and butter VO, these non-broadcast categories of voiceover? Well, you know, I, I like everybody considers or everybody talks about it as being the non-sexy part of you, know, the bread and butter. But what I think is that honestly, it's it, they're the challenging parts of VO that really, truly, you know, every script that we have, we can we can make a story out of. I mean, we are storytellers. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, companies that have products and services that they sell, they have a story. And it is our job as voice actors to find that story and to tell that story, regardless of the writing on the script. A lot of times the writing on the script, it can be a little bit dry. It can be boring. But I'll tell you what, it's you that brings it to life. And so for all the people that say, you know, corporate narration is boring, I will beg to differ that if you are doing the right thing as an actor, you are creating the story and telling the story that makes sense for the words that are sitting there in front of you. And it can be a real beautiful thing. Now, when things are written beautifully, um, that's always, that's always just a, it's just a plus. It's, it's a bonus. And that's, I think those of you that do a lot of commercial work and, and broadcast work understand that there are times when you get that script that's written like a big old sale. And, you know, the direction is to, you know, read it like you're talking to your best friend. Well, well, I take that and multiply it by, you know, three or four or five or 10 times more difficult because you've got a longer script to maintain somebody's attention and to tell that story and to find that story. Um, I always say it's a, it's a wonderful challenge. 
and I'm always up for a challenge. I mean, for me, if I'm stagnant or something becomes boring to me, I, that's like the death of me. So for me, it's always a challenge. Find the story in the script. Be the actor that brings that script to life. And wh where you have a moment before in commercial or in anything like that, you've got a moment before in e-learning. You've got a moment before in corporate. You know, there's always a reason why you're going to be saying that first line. And that first line in any audition or any job is important that you absolutely grab the listener's attention and come into that line with purpose and with commitment. And how can you come into it with purpose and commitment if you don't know the story that you're supposed to be telling? I love that. I think that's a fantastic way. And it really, you know, and let's, let's talk about that really quick. Like, why do we say boring? Why do we say unfun, unsexy? I'm thinking the only reason is usually there's just not the bells and whistles with it, right? Because you nailed it, that you still have to be the storyteller. You still have to be engaging. You got to keep these people's attention. You still have to teach them something. You, yeah. you know, there's still that aspect of it. I'm thinking, even as you say it, I'm like, why do we call it why would, oh, I don't think I've ever called it boring, but why would someone call it boring? And I'm thinking it's just because it doesn't feel like it has the bells and whistles and the music and the, you know, the pizzazz, mm -hmm. but a challenge just the same and to have the stamina, um, you know, an ability to do pickups. If it is a longer form, um, doing e-learning and different things that, you know, not everyone is, is suited for that. So I appreciate that explanation. Um, so what, does your how does your sound change when you are doing corporate narration or more of this non-broadcast work? Does it? You know, we talk about commercial and being authentic, and you know, you're a coach. Oh my gosh, all the different ways we try to explain to people. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you explain corporate narration voice? Well, first of all, I think there's a lot of confusion about what corporate narration truly is. And uh, for me, the, the way that I explain it, first of all, is that the corporate genre is any or corporate narration is any company that has a product or service to sell, which is all companies, right? That's why they form companies. And they are not going to have a radio spot or a television ad to talk about that product or service. But yet they do have a website and they absolutely can have a YouTube channel or a Vimeo channel to talk about that product or service. So corporate narration to me is anywhere is like a little bit after a minute, like a little bit longer than a minute and probably up to four to five minutes because after that, you're probably teaching somebody about that product or service and how it works. And that falls into corporate training. So corporate narration to me is a soft sell. And it's a soft sell with a longer story, um, a longer time to evolve a story, let's say, over a period of time. So you don't, you're not restrained to your 60 seconds uh, or your 30 seconds. And so you can really, um, you can really evolve and nuance the storyline. And I think that the, one of the biggest differences in the voice for corporate narration is it's very much nuanced, but it's very much not um, just an informational, like, you know, narration, like a narration where let me, you know, let me report this to you. You know, this is company A, blah, 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 blah. And we do this and we also do that. And then we do this. And that becomes just a read. And, you know, we've got to go beyond the read. It's just, it's grown. I mean, whereas corporate narration might've been okay before to just give it kind of a pretty read that's clear and professional. Honestly, you've got to go beyond it now. And companies too, I mean, they're, 
you know, they're competing with a lot of, you know, competition as well. I mean, they need to be able to stand out. And how are they going to stand out? They're going to hopefully write scripts that are able to tell a story because stories are memorable. And if they cannot write a script that's amazing, an amazing storytelling script, you know, hopefully they're going to put together a video production that does help tell the story. And the narrator is going to be someone that truly brings that brand to life and truly is able to understand the purpose and the story behind the product or behind whatever the company message is. And so you're going to have to find that and then, you know, work on it with nuance. Because again, it's kind of like, you're not going to hard sell anything anymore. And especially for four minutes, you cannot hard sell anything or four or five minutes. You have to just be like, hey, you know, here's here's a, a product that I know that can help you. And it has to come from, you know, instead of a sell, sell, sell point, here's the product, here's the features and benefits. This is why it's so amazing. It has to come from a, it has to come from you as a spokesperson for that brand. How can that product or service help the person that you're speaking to? It comes from a place of, you know, heart forward, service forward. And when you can find that and you can speak to that, then your voice reflects that. And that voice, you know, a hard sell is not going to sell anybody anything. It's going to sound obvious. And, you know, the, the nuanced emotion and point of view that you bring on top of all of the words in a corporate narration, because God knows that corporate narrations have lots of words. And I swear to God, sometimes they add more words just to make their product sound better. And so there's so many adjectives when they talk about a product and you have to be the person that really just cuts through that chaos and understands that message and doesn't talk about the 5,000 adjectives that make this, you know, product sound wonderful, which sounds like a synthetic voice right there. Um, You've got to just tell the story. Look, it's an amazing, wonderful product. And guess what? It's going to really help you to look better, feel better, be better, you know, make a better impression on your, on your boss and make more money. (laughs) It's really, so it's that relatability. I mean, that's really what it comes to. Yeah. You're again, you're talking about telling a story and relating. So now tell us how does um, medical narration different, differ from corporate narration? So medical is a subset of corporate. Okay. And, you know, because, well, I should say in the United States, because medical is a business, right, in the United States, um, when it's not socialized medicine, right, for the most part, you've got medical narration to me is both, it it can serve both an educational component and it can serve, um, it can serve a sales component when you're talking about hospitals that, you know, want you to come to them because they've got the latest in technology. They've got the best doctors, Um, you know, at Hogue Hospital, we care, you know, that kind of thing. Um, They're selling you their services and, you know, you might have medical device companies that, you know, have products that they're selling. Um, You might have, of um, pharmaceutical companies. Oh my goodness. Pharmaceutical companies, right. That have, you know, products to sell. That is all the cell based aspect of medical narration, but then you've got the educational component. And then you've got to always figure out who you're talking to, who you are and who you're talking to. If you're working in corporate, you're always working for the company. You're always a representative of the company. If you're working in medical, you might be a medical educator. You might be a doctor. You might be a nurse. You might be a patient. You might be, you know, an intern. And who you are and who you're talking to will change that voice. I mean, a doctor speaking to a young 
child as a patient is going to speak completely different than a, a doctor speaking to another doctor when they're discussing a case. And so you have to really, again, identify who you are, who you're talking to, and what's the purpose? Really, it's, I think, Understanding the purpose of the script is so important. It's so it's so overlooked by so many people because they think, oh, I'm going to run into the studio. I'm going to just read this, you know, quickly and I'm going to sound, hello, here's my corporate narration. And now we're a company that really cares, right? And, and so when you say it like that and you say it in that smooth, polished voice, that's so not really believable. Um, and it, you may find 100 billion of those out there already on YouTube, which is why we tend to make it sound like that. And, you know, in speaking in terms of e-learning, um, I could go on and on and on about that because being a teacher in front of the class, the problem is... Um, so many people say online learning is not, it, it, there's no engagement in it. Well, that's because for many years, we were hired by people that didn't think about what it really takes to be a teacher behind the mic. They just said, oh, okay, you're clear, you sound professional, and you're accurate. So therefore, this is good. Let me pay you the money and off you go, right? And for years, you know, e-learning narrators did that. And then it turned out to be welcome to module one. Today, we're going to discuss this. And that is so boring. Oh, my God. If you have ever taught in front of the class, right, you'll never get away with that. It's like somebody reading the PowerPoint. Um, so you have to, again, you have to understand who your audience is. You have to engage with them. You have to be the favorite teacher behind the mic. Um, you know, that's interesting. You've changed a life. You know, you've got to change a life. Well, yeah, one of my favorite um, projects I did, I, just to your point, I actually worked with some elementary public school teachers. They did mm -hmm. not want to voice their project, but they're brilliant. It was all about math fundamentals. They know exactly what they wanted me to say, how to teach it, but they, they're used to just being in front of the classroom and you're, you know, half yelling at the kids to do this and sit down mm -hmm. over there and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, sure, go to the bathroom, you know. And, but it was one of my favorite projects because I was able, just what you were saying, able to do for them where I, again, I've got, I had, young, certainly my kids were young at the time, but I had young kids. You don't just stand up there and say, hello, kids, welcome, please turn. Yeah. And, you know, you, yeah. you get to, you get to bring it. Yeah. God, it's so cliche. Bring it to life. But it was true where it's like, this is what kids, elementary age kids, fifth grade and under would relate to, you know? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. You said the word nuance, which is so nice because it really is. You, you can't come in flatline and just be like, I'm just going to do it one way and yeah. think you're going to get away with it. It just doesn't yeah. work. So. And, and teaching is a little bit different too than let's say any other type of narration too, because you, you want to make things simpler. You want to make yes. concepts simpler so that the, the, the learner, the student can understand and take things away. So if, if they were not looking at the screen at the video or, or whatever the, the, the medium mm -hmm. is, that is the lesson, and they were just listening to you, it would be like a one-on-one, -on -one, yep. you know, one-on-one -on -one sitting down next to them and explaining to them how things work or how, you know, what the concept is and just teaching them. And then the teaching moments resonate in their ears, like audio cliff notes. Do you know what I mean? So there's so many words that aren't important. But then there are so many concepts that are important and those have to linger in the ear a little bit longer because while you may know what you're talking about, it's the first time they're hearing it. So 
if you have an important point, you have to make that important point and you have to kind of elongate that important point. Like this is important point number one. Um, and this is important point number two. So you're lengthening those concepts and those words so that they kind of stay in the ears of your, of your students a little bit longer so they can jot it down or they can take a note or whatever they might do or just listen to it and absorb it and understand it. So we're almost to our halfway mark. And I want to ask you another question before we get there. So uh, this is this is a kind of big question, but what can folks in the audience do, you know, to start on their path to understanding corporate e-learning, kind of what you're talking about? Is it, should they just be listening? I say just, should they be listening to e-learning and corporate narration themselves? Should they be actively practicing some sort of script somewhere? Are there... Um, what kind of gets them started so they even know what to expect? Like we're talking about it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean like you really know what corporate narration is or e-learning is. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Well, it's, it's, I think it's super simple to just research a company and go look at their YouTube channel. Um, they'll have a combination of commercials and or corporate narrations on that YouTube channel and or on their website. That's number one. Um, in terms of e-learning, cause so again, I differentiate between corporate narration and corporate training or corporate e-learning. So corporate narration is a cell-based you know, soft sell based and corporate e-learning is an education based. So two different buyers, well, maybe it's the same company, but two different, two very different purposes, you know, to, to sell somebody something versus to teach them something, it's a completely different purpose. And you're going to be talking to them and highlighting different things, um, you know, within each. So I would say if you want to learn, you know, either, or, you know, go to companies, websites, and then look at their videos, look at their YouTube channels, look at the videos on their website that talk about their products, consider that corporate narration. And then, you know, you can always look up on, you know, on, on YouTube as well, you know, how to, or because corporate narration and corporate e-learning does not have to be just internal. Think about that. Think about corporate narration. Again, it's a sale, it's a sell based Corporate narration, if it's a sell base, could be external or to a B2B, right, to another business. So you could be selling your, you know, your product or service to another business. And so you might have a video on your website that talks about that. Um, You might be selling to a consumer, you know, and it might be, you know, I don't know, an app that reside that you can buy for your, you know, for your phone to help manage the new product. And so there's lots of different ways. It could be internal and it can be external. Um, Same thing with training. I mean, training can be internal. You know, corporate e-learning or corporate training can be companies training their employees how to do their jobs better. And that could include, oh, software that they use. It could be training on software. It could be training on the product. It could be training on the sale, the sale of their product. Um, And it can also be training consumers or other buyers on their product through a YouTube channel. So it can also be internal, external. So for those types of things, I would say go to the companies that you are interested in and, you know, look at their YouTube channels. I spend a lot of time on YouTube um, going and looking at companies and looking at their videos 
And, you know, I think the one extra aspect that you need to know about corporate narration is not only is it just a product or a service, but it could be a company selling their brand, right? Because they want you to be on board with their brand because ultimately they want to sell to you, right? And so, you know, there's a big thing these days. There's lots of what I call corporate themes. One of them is sustainability, right? If I don't necessarily want to, you know, buy from a company that isn't practicing sustainable practices in their company or, you know, have a concern about, you know, climate change or, you know, those kinds of things. So big, you know, big companies or lots of companies now have these concepts where I, I, I talk about common corporate themes uh, like, you know, sustainability, net zero, uh, climate change, um, you know, diversity and inclusion. And so these are popular things for a company to talk about that can get people on board, uh, philanthropy, right? So how are you giving back? It's purpose beyond profit. How are you giving back? And so that could be, you know, a corporate video, you know, talking about how they support an educational fund for, you know, uh, uh, kids in need or, you know, kids in, in third world company, uh, third world countries that they donate to, whatever that might be, they're getting people on board with their brands so that ultimately people say, oh, I like that. And I, you know, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. I say this all all the time. And, you know, companies are that way. They want you to get to know them, who they are, what they stand for, what they represent. And that's a sell as well, you know, selling on their brand. Um, And if you like them, you are more likely to buy from them. And I think what you're saying from the voiceover standpoint is that once again, not only do we need to understand the message, we need to know the audience. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is the key because those are so different. All right, JT, you want to do our halfway real quick? <laughs> sure. All right. It looks like we're at the halfway mark. We're going to do a quick room reset. If you've just joined us, we are VO Booth Besties. Our goal is to help working voice actors get the answers to their questions from the pros who know. And tonight, that pro is Anne Ganguza. We're talking all about corporate narration and um, actually a good tie-in to what you were just talking about going to YouTube channels and, you know, getting to know the companies and what their message is. Um, John Wood had a question a little bit earlier and he asked, so at any given corporation, uh, do you have any tips for finding the decision makers and voice buyers? Ha <laughs> the question of the day. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do you find, I mean, it, it, in any given department, right, it's probably going to be a creative director or an instructional designer or, you know, those titles that would, you know, creative developer, creative assistant, creative buyer, you know, creative director, anything that would be that title would be somebody in charge of, you know, media or production on, you know, talking about their product and uh, the sale of their products. And then if you're looking for instruction, um, you know, where to, who to, who to talk to in terms of if you wanted to, you know, get involved with the e-learning department, it could be anything instructional designer, um, training, um, marketing, you know, marketing department, um, lots of different titles. Um, I, I have a bunch of uh, a bunch of titles that are somewhere. They're not in my head, though. But I have a bunch of titles that you can just do search for, you know, um, people who would hire, you know, voice talent in companies. I mean, creative director, you could probably come up with a list of maybe 15 to 20 titles. And then you can search for those titles on LinkedIn. And I'm sure one of you ladies teaches LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) NJ. Yeah. Whatever are you talking about? Well, no, that's that that's perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. Ab, didn't you have a question in there? I think we we kind of covered it, and 
covered so many great things. I, I just have a whole half of a page of notes. But when we talk about the corporate narration industry, let's talk about some of the transitions. I mean, the, the very obvious one, when I started in voiceover, even just five years ago, I never saw the words conversational in a corporate script. Like it was not... Mm-hmm. It was not common. It was more articulate, professional, things like that. But I'm Mm -hmm. finding, you know, as time has gone on, the word has become so much more common in corporate training, um, conversational, authentic. uh, What's the one that there's another one that is so prevalent. um, But what do you think uh, is the shift that you think is coming? Are we are we just going to stick with conversational, um, talking to your best friend kind of read? Or do you think that there is a transition in the works? Just curious. Well, I think the transition is happening now. And, and I think you have to be authentic and believable. And that comes from, you know, conversational, but not like casual conversational, like you don't care. You know, it's it's not like, yeah, so, you know, this product's pretty cool. And so, yeah, you can do this and you can do that. It's not a casual conversation. It's a conversation that's confident and authoritative and passionate. It's like you're geekily passionate about your product and how it can help you're the person that you're speaking to that, that has, should have an interest. And, you know, most people are like, talk like you're talking to your best friend. Well, your best friend could give a crap about SAP. They probably don't even know what SAP is or maybe, you know what I mean? They don't use it. It's not relevant to them. So, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be an interested buyer or a buyer that would benefit from your product. And so I say, don't talk to your best friend. You need to talk to somebody who's absolutely could benefit from your product. And you are going to have a one-on-one conversation with them, understanding that it is not about how pretty you sound when you when you talk about the product it's more about how you tell the story and how it can help them and there's a lot of subtext in there there's a lot of nuance there's a lot of ego stroking if anybody worked how many have worked in sales like uh i'm sure there's a bunch of people in this audience right that have worked in sales before and even you ladies um i mean you know that it really becomes about what can this product do for me i mean people are not listening to uh, over a minute's worth of voiceover, you know, just because they're interested in, you know, oh, I love corporate narration. No, it's it's what's in it for them, right? How can this product help them? And you have to be the person to bring that out. And and you cannot do this in a in a in a reporter kind of way because it's boring because number one, it's just like, oh, I just tuned you. Oh, I just got an email. Oh, hang on. Oh, just got text. Uh, you know, it's like we're we're constantly like squirrel. Uh, and, and we get distracted. And so you've got to be able to hold their attention. You've got to be able to like cut through all of those adjectives and just get to the point and really just talk. I mean, like we're talking one-on-one, all of us. And hopefully what I'm saying and what you're saying is, is something that's super important to the people in the audience and that, and we're, we're, you know, we're affecting them. I mean, they're listening because they care. It's something that is going to help them. And, you know, grow their career. I mean, do they just want to listen to Anne Ganguza talk? Well, maybe, but, you know, <laughs> I, I yeah. highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. It's more like, what can Anne teach me, right? What can I learn? What can I get from this? And and it really has to come again, like I said. It can't come from just a place of reporting or, you know, just reading the words anymore. You have to be authentic, authoritative, and passionate about what you speak. And I don't think any, well, I don't know. I don't think anybody can argue that I'm not passionate about education and I'm not passionate about what I talk about because you can hear it in my voice. And, and you know, every one of you, when you're passionate about what you talk about, you can hear it and that affects people. Absolutely. Yeah, it really does. 
believable. That's the word I was looking for that, yeah. that we see, but you're, it ties right back into what you're talking about with storytelling. And yeah. if you believe in the story you're telling and you're passionate about it, um, it'll come through. Uh, one of Absolutely. my favorite tips to give, and I'm, I don't know, this may be something that you do as well is uh, if I've, if I'm struggling to connect with a script and it's something where I know I'm going to need to be that, that person that is excited and passionate and authentic and interested, I'll go listen to um, 15 or 20 seconds of one of my TikTok videos or the podcast or something where I'm really getting into what I'm talking about. I'll listen to myself and the cadence and the flow, and then I'll go right mm -hmm. into my script. Yeah. And I found that it really helps me sound more believable. So what kind of tips do you have for our audience? For believability? Well, I think when you when you actually create a scene, and I, and I mean a scene for everything. I mean, what I teach is basics of acting for any any script, really. It's got to be like, who are you? Who are you talking to? What's the purpose? There's a purpose for a script. It, every type of script, there's a purpose. Whether it be medical, you know, corporate, explainer, e-learning, there's always a purpose. There's always something. There's a call. There's a call to action. It may not be written in the words, but there's always a call to action. You know, maybe we're, you know, we're on a brand mission or here we're talking about the um, we're talking about how we give back as a company. Well, that's getting people on board with our brand. And so to really understand, you can't tell a story if you don't know what that story is. You can't teach a lesson if you don't know what it is you're teaching. So you have to do the work where you don't just run in and read pretty or even give me a conversational sound alike because that's not connected. If you can go and create that scene, create the moment before, create the scenes in between the periods. So, so important. I say this over and over again. You can't just start and create a scene and then forget. You know what I mean? Most people are like, okay, I'm Anne talking to my friend Sally. And I say this all the time, right? Sally, we're at the kitchen. I'm talking about the new Duncan Hines, you know, um, cake mix and it's very moist. Sorry, I said that word. Um, and so... <laughs> There's so many people that hate that word. <laughs> I said that word and I, I go on and I say, oh, Sally, you know what? Oh my gosh, you have to try this. And so I've envisioned Sally at the table and I'm like, yeah, Sally, hey, so you've got to try these, you know, these, these cupcakes. I mean, they're so moist. And there's this new Duncan Hines. And then all of a sudden we forget that Susan's at the table and we just start reading the script and we start going, and then they're so moist and, and, you know, and, and easy to bake too, you know, that kind of thing. And we forget that Susan is sitting at the table and which we need to engage with Susan, right? In between the periods, in between each sentence, Susan is nodding. She's smiling. She might be choking, right? And what if she's choking? <laughs> we need to acknowledge that. We need to engage with Susan and not like, not like figuratively, right? But we do in our script and we have to, we have to create that scene and we can't just be like, in one spot behind our mic, because when we're in one spot behind our mic, I'm just going to talk like this for the next five to 10 minutes. I'm not going to move. I'm just going to move my mouth and I'm going to read it. And I'm going to make it sound like I'm conversational, but in reality, I'm not really moving. Nothing's really happening. I'm just saying the words prettily, not really thinking about the story and see how boring it becomes. It, it just, you know, it just has to be where you are are invested. You are invested in the scene. And then maybe, you know, it's kind of like, you know, finding your mark, you get up and you move. It's, it's very much like video game or animation, or, you know, you've got to create the scenes that happen in between the periods. So maybe, maybe Sally is going, you know what, it's really moist, but 
I don't know. I found them to be super expensive. I don't know. What do you think? And you, and so then, you know, there's got to be a reason why you're saying every word that's written in that script. I mean, they pay copywriters, you know, hopefully a lot of money, right, to write those words, to have meaning. And so you've got to discover what that meaning is. How many of you, and I, I guarantee every single one of us has done this, you've read a commercial audition and you didn't know what it was talking about, but you just read it the way you thought it should be read and the way it sounded. Cause you're like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, what the hell is that? Um, you know, like, right. <laughs> and, and when you read, when you read it, you're not committed to the story. You don't like, you don't sound connected. You don't sound like you're committed, um, to a casting director, right? You can tell that right away. And here's what I say. Get yourself completely authentic, completely believable, completely conversational, because if you can do that, you can, on a dime, you can change it to what you think it should sound like, right? We can all go into that commercial read, no matter what we're doing. Oh, yeah, everybody in the world is going to go, nobody told me about this. But if I create a scene where, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know, Sally is like, well, what do you mean that, you know, Duncan Hines has, has this new flavor, you know? Um, I, I heard they also have like, I don't know, peppermint. And you're like, oh, nobody told me about this. See how it's just a completely different reaction. So acting is reacting. So everybody else is going to, well, nobody told me about this because that's the way it should sound, you know, to every commercial. But you've got a different reaction because there was a different scene and you're reacting to something different. So you've got to just be the authentic in the scene and then react. And when you do that, you don't have to worry about what it sounds like. You, you just respond. So you, it's like all of us talking to here today, right? I'm not caring if I'm inflecting upward or am I, you know, am I taking a, a, a am I saying it with, with emphatic, you know, you know, emotion or how am I saying, I'm just, I'm just in it. I'm in it. And you have to be in it. When you're in it, you don't have to think about it. And when you just think about what it sounds like, you're taking away from the story. So, how do you take that and wrap it around something very technical or something that, I mean, honestly, you might have no idea what you're talking about? Like, <laughs> well, I'm going to say, well, okay, so when, when is that the case for the most part? Maybe if you're doing an e-learning, right, and you don't know the topic? Right. right? I mean, I've, or... I did a course for neurosurgeons. Mm -hmm. um, well, then you, then you break it down. I think for there, like with medical terminology, if you're not exactly sure, you break it down to what's important in a sentence. I mean, if you go back to English 101, you know, nouns are important, verbs are important, and objects are important. So you can take a half wild guess that your object or your noun is going to be pretty darn important. So you want to just make sure you emphasize that, you know. Um, and so those are important words. But words like you or your, oh, God, they're never important. And is never important. Um, you know, and so many people think they're conversational. They go, and, and I'm like, but that's not the operative word, right? That's not the, it's usually the words that flank those words that are the most important. Uh -huh. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's really, it's really something that you have to make sure that those important words are kind of emphasized, but not in a very pronounced or punchy way. It's just, you know, oh my gosh, it's really amazing. Or it's really amazing you know, the way amazing. So, you know, and you give it a little bit of, a little bit of nuance, a little bit of point of view. But if I go, it's really amazing. Like that's just not, I don't have passion there. Right. I don't know. Did that help? I, I, yeah. I, I mean, but do you, do you find, because <laughs> I know thing. some you people practice that. It's yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. 
Yeah. Some people will see that medical script or a technical script and Mm -hmm. just be like, uh, you know, I mean, if you've got to look up every word in the script and it takes you half an hour to audition, is that really not every medical script? Not every medical script is hard words. You know, it's just some of them. And typically when they're hard words, you're educating people about the hard words or you're talking about a pharmaceutical or you're educating somebody about, and those hard words tend to repeat. Um, and so you just have to figure out how to pronounce them. And pretty much if you have to figure out how to pronounce them, they're probably important words. Um, you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I always try to think again, who am I, if I'm reading the back of a pharmaceutical label, you know, who am I, who am I talking to? I may be talking, my voice might be talking to someone who is, you know, nervous looking at the back of the label going, Oh my God, I have every symptom in the world. That's me, by the way. Um, I have every symptom in the world and who do I call? Because I, I, that's it. I think I've overdosed. I think I've taken too much. And now, you know, I've, I've gained 5,000 pounds and I need to talk to someone about this, but whatever that is, the person might be concerned and you want to be that voice of, you know, if you feel like, you know, they're, they're, they want to know what the symptoms are. Who do they call? What's the important information that you have to relay? You're going to do that in a compassion and, you know, an, an, an empathetic way. Um, not that, not that's over dramatic, right? But you understand who you're talking to. Yeah, good point. So do you find that that's, that's a teachable part? Yes. Yes, I think it's absolutely a teachable part. Nouns, verbs, objects, they're important. <laughs> they're important. Those words that are important in medical when you don't know what you're necessarily talking about. And I would say in medical, narr- I don't know, medical narration, I have, it depends on my client, right? You know, am I doing, I do pharmaceuticals quite a bit. Um, you, you know, there are some things you do have to, you have to research, you have to find out how it's pronounced and make sure that you pronounce it correctly. Cause like I said, a lot of times those names will repeat in mm-hmm. a script, I had one that was like repeated a hundred times and God, I, I pronounced it wrong. Um, and then I had to go back and redo it, which was horrible. Um, yeah. but you know, in terms of what's important, what words are important to emphasize, I don't think that's necessarily, once you understand where, where important words are in any script, it doesn't matter if it's medical or corporate or what it is, you're still going to kind of linger on those words a little bit more. Um, because those are words that your listener either have never heard before or they're important and they need to be able to absorb that information. And so really just elongating those words makes them sound more important and it makes you sound more authoritative. Quick question from the chat. Casey asked, if you have any tips for the specs asking for conversational and anthemic or getting that melodic sound while remaining conversational? Uh, Conversational and anthemic. Well, I mean, anthemic to me is there's a story, right? And so, you know, being able to tell the story, but not in an overly dramatic way, it's really just like, I I like to think of it as being thoughtful, a little more spontaneous. Um, When you're thinking about it, again, have a conversation. If you want to sound conversational, create the conversation. Create the conversation that makes sense for the scene because you are the actor. There's so many of my students that will say to me, but I would never say that conversationally. I'm like, but no, that's, that's where you're wrong because you need to be the actor. The actor will create the scene in which the words in front of him will sound believable and be authentic. So you got to come up with a scene and that's not always easy to do. It's not, you know, cause you're like, I don't know what they're talking about. Right. So Google is your best friend. Understand Google the, the company name, Google the product if you can. Um, 
you know, um, Google everything you can about it. I mean, you'll be able to find something about it and then try to understand what that storyline is all the way through. Don't just look at the front and say, I got it. I got the first couple. I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to just, you know, here they're appealing to, you know, a potential, uh, a potential uh, new employee. Well, maybe three quarters of the way down, they're not really they're not really catering to a new employee, but they're talking about like corporate responsibility, which could be pertaining to a new employee if they're really concerned about it, but it could also be pertaining to a person who's investing a lot of money in that company. And they want to make sure that their money isn't going to waste. They want to make sure that company's not just, you know, throwing their million dollar investment, you know, to, uh, you know, gain more profit for themselves. They want to know that you're giving back. Um, so really it's, it's, it's a lot of understanding what's happening between the lines and the subtext and the unspoken or the unwritten even. So analyze, 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 and don't just, don't just analyze the first few sentences because remember Um, Sally could be choking (laughs) and you didn't even know it because you just went on your monologue, right? On her, she's choking on her moist cupcake. cupcake. (laughs) And, and you don't care because you're just like, Oh, and there's, and then you're just like, so if, you know, to find out more, check out duncanhines.com. And you're just, you're just going on right in your pretty commercial sounding voice, but you know, Sally's choking and you forgot to go back to her and figure out, Oh, maybe there's something else that happens in the scene that, you know, that makes these words make more sense. A lot of times words don't make sense, right? When we look at the audition, it's like, what? Like, I don't understand. You've got to really kind of delve deep and do some Googling, do some, it takes two seconds to go to Google and type in a company name and go to the webpage and get a visual on the branding. I'm always telling people to sign up for, for emails from, from the company as if you're, you want to buy the product, right? Because what better way to understand who they're targeting and how they talk to them than, you know, becoming on a, a member of their mailing list becoming a potential, you know, customer. Love that. I'm going to switch gears real quick. Um, we know that you do demo production as well. Mm-hmm. And Terry asked a question on Facebook earlier. Um, he asked if you have an e-learning demo, do you really need additional demos in similar genres like corporate narration and explainer videos? Or can you market yourself in those areas using your e-learning demo? Well, first of all, e-learning, the focus of e-learning is teaching, right? It's educational. And that doesn't sell a product, right? It's a completely different different purpose. It's a completely different written um, script. And so I absolutely believe that you need target market specific demos. If you want to be a great e-learning narrator, you've got to be a great teacher. You need to have spots on your demo that reflect that. And there's so many different styles of teaching. You know, there's, you know, there's press next to continue, or there's, you know, and, you know, kind of dialogue driven character spots. There's, you know, step one, you know, click on file, then save, or there's, you know, concept, there's safety training. There's so many different types of training. There's human resource, human policy training, um, or, you know, human resources policies training so much of that. Why would you only have one script, right? In a generic kind of, you know, demo that showcases everything. And by the way, I I tell people that that's cheating. Um, (laughs) You can't just have a one shot narration demo. That's kind of old school. Um, It does not, it's not target specific. And if you think it shows range, it only does because you're speaking to completely different audiences and you have completely different purposes. 
So corporate narration is not the same as corporate training. Explainer can be both. Explainer can be a sell and it can be an explain. It can be like a teach. And medical can be a sell if you've got a corporate medical, right, in the United States. Uh, You've got a biotech company. You've got a hospital that's, you know, looking for, you know, um, our birthing center is the best in the country. You know, that kind of thing. Um, So, you know, come join us, right, if you're looking to, you know, whatever, you know, if you're looking for the best doctors and the best care. Um, But then there's also, you know, education. And so, you know, I think that you've got to target market in every genre that you want to sell to and give it the best opportunity because I want to be hired off my demo. I don't have time to audition 100,000 times a day. And so I've made it a point to create enough material on my demos that kind of kind of appeals to all the different styles and all the different industries. So like corporate narration, it's not just the healthcare industry that sells corporate, right? There's, there's healthcare, there's technology, there's finance, there's, you know, energy, there's all different industries that use voiceover. So why wouldn't you have a spot for each, you know, especially if they buy? Um, voiceover and they're looking for voices. So I think that your your genre has to be specific and your demo has to be specific um, in order to sell to that market. I hope that, I hope that. I, yeah, helps. I'm sure that, that that answers the question very well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Then I saw Casey had asked another question real quick. Um, if you're starting out in these genres, which do you recommend you start with? Or if doing all simultaneously, which demo would you prioritize? I would say, you know, a good place to start really depends. Um, I think that your next best after, you know, your your broadcast is going to be corporate, um, corporate narration, which is, a, which again, make it like a Super Bowl commercial. It's longer than a minute or a, a longer story tell. Um, because I think that companies are, you know, increasingly trying to, you know, cut through the, cut through the the noise, um, and produce demos and, or not demos, produce videos for their websites and or YouTube channels that really kind of sell their product. Actually, if you look at automotive manufacturers, you're going to see how many videos they have when they introduce a new concept or a new car, um, a new model, because they can go longer than a minute. They can, you know, automotive corporate narration is huge. Um, so they can do a whole walkabout of the car, you know, and they are not restricted to 60 seconds on a commercial. So there's lots of, you know, that's just one industry. There's so much now about, you know, um, you know, companies that want to prove that they are corporately responsible. Uh, they want to prove that they are sustainable. And so they have videos about them and about like what their, their mission is and what they're all about. Because a lot of people are like, I'm not going to buy if you're not going to be concerned about our environment, that kind of thing. So I would say corporate's a great, area to start with. Um, If you've, you know, and and the cool thing is, is because a corporate narration demo, your corporate, your commercial demo is going to be about a minute, maybe a little bit longer than a minute. um, If you want to submit it to agents and agents are concerned with, you know, broadcast because that's where they make their money. But if you want, you know, if, if you've got that already, right, the next best thing I say is corporate because it's just, it's like the new, you know, it's the new black. It's the new, you know, it's the new popular, like, this is a company that doesn't have to pay for the radio ad or the, uh, you know, radio ad or a, or a TV ad, but they can do both. They can do, right, television ads, radio spots, and they can have a great video on their website. 
Um, they can have a great, you know, series of videos on their YouTube channel. So I say corporate's great because it's big. And, you know, corporate narration is, you know, uh, 30.4 million registered companies on the, uh, you know, in the United States, they all have a product or a service to sell. But like I said, not every one of them is going to have a radio spot or a TV ad, but they can all have a website and they can all have a YouTube channel. That is so true. And it gives us so much to think about. I can't believe it. And we have already made it to an hour and we thank you so much oh my gosh, for yes. joining us tonight. But before you go, we like to ask our guests three, four fun questions, a little James oh. Lipton style. Ah. So, <laughs> what singer, band, or composer are you enjoying right now? Uh, oh, my goodness. Um, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Mm, I don't know. I enjoy all kinds of, all kinds of music. Um, so... I'm like you, my, my playlist is eclectic. It would be really hard for me to pick one. It is hard for me to pick one. I mean, my gosh, um, I I love it. Like, God, I was at a horse show this weekend. I had such a good time at a horse show and they were playing all different types of music. I mean, dance music, they were playing like jazz and then they were playing like, um, you know, chill music. Um, I do love chill music a lot when I, and there's no, they're nondescript kind of, you know, where I can kind of work and listen to music as well. Um, I do love eighties. I do love eighties stuff. Cause you know, can't I, go I wrong with the eighties. Love that. A. am of that age. I do love eighties music. So All I right. I, so I don't have one. Sorry. That's okay. I don't either. So I, I, that is a, that is a good answer. Um, well, so then maybe what podcast have you been listening to lately? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is for entertainment. I don't have a ton of time, but when I am in my car, um, I love the smart list podcast. Ooh. Smart list with uh, Sean Hayes. Um, uh, um, oh my God, um, Will Arnett and um, Justin Bateman. Yeah, they're on HBO. They're on. Yep, they got a show going right now. Yes, yep. they are amazing. Oh, so funny, just hysterical. And I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk quite a bit as well. Awesome. And we know from listening to Vo Boss that your husband Jerry is actually a chef from Sicily. So this might be a tough question for you to answer, but what is your favorite dessert? Oh my God. He's not actually a chef from Italy. He just has an Italian family and he cooks really well. So he's actually, yeah, he actually, um, he, he does events, um, for, uh, trade show events for, gosh, he's been doing that for close to 40 years. Um, but on the side, he loves to cook because he had a wonderful mother, uh, Italian mother. And yes, his family is from Sicily. So my favorite dessert Okay, so, gosh, ah, gosh, that's so tough to say. Um, and I want to say Sfugliadel, um, which Ooh. is like a pastry that's super crunchy and has like this kind of cream in there. I do love cannolis, but not as much as Sfugliadel. Um, And of course, I do love a good gelato. Um, and mm. mint chocolate chip is my favorite. Uh, and next best would just be... Um, I would say probably um, cappuccino. Yum. All right. Yeah. So thank you. I I want to now go have dessert. So (laughs) there's that. You said crunchy and pastry and and now I'm hungry. So. um, And I don't even, I couldn't even spell that to you, but it's S-V. 
SV something. I have to ask my yeah. husband half the time. Now my husband's Italian. I am not. I just married one, which is like the best thing. Um, but I Me do too. know how to eat Italian. I do know how to eat Italian. Every once in a while, I can I can do C. I can say <laughs> prego. Uh, you know, I, I could say a couple of words. And That's I, the best and, way to be, though. Who yeah. needs to speak it when you can eat it, right? Well, of love. I mean, his family, I didn't have to speak a word. They just, I knew exactly what they were saying because they just, I love it. They, they, they speak with their hands, which is what we all need to do behind the mic. <laughs> exactly. The, the, we love it. Well, Anne, thank you. We want to remind everybody that Via Booth thank Besties you. is live two days a week. And we invite you to join us Monday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and for our VO 101 series on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Meanwhile, be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. Replays are all available to listen to on our website, boothbesties.com, on YouTube podcasts, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to share your comments with us because we love to hear from you. Like and subscribe. And you can also sign up for the VO Booth Besties Monday newsletter so you know what's coming up in the week ahead. And you will find discounts from our affiliate partners there as well. And coming up Thursday, we'll be joined by voice actor Billy Joe Conzi, who is going to be talking about accountability groups and support in VO. And I'm so excited for this. Next Monday, we're getting into animation with the incomparable Lori Allen. Trust us, you won't want to miss it. And thanks again for being here and for everyone down below who joined us. Have Thank a great you, night, everyone. Good night. night. Bye. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.